Hey, it's Ian Altman. Thanks to you, especially for subscribing and sharing this show with other people. As the audience continues to grow, it gets really exciting. And I just want to thank you for playing a part of that. Today's guest is Steve Benson. Now, Steve is the founder and CEO of Badger Maps. And he's a guy who's got a business background with an MBA from Stanford. But most importantly, Steve worked in sales at IBM, HP, and Google. And he was actually Google Enterprise's top sales exec in 2009. We're going to talk about the biggest mistakes that he sees salespeople make that hold them back from being top performers. We're going to talk about specific strategies, how you can become a better performer, and kind of the evolution that he sees in sales professionals. And then we'll talk about the keys to success and things you can do to be a top performer like he's been. You're going to learn a ton, really great discussion with Steve Benson. Steve Benson, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. So you can't be that excited. I mean, it's a podcast, but you know, but hopefully you're somewhat <laughs> excited to share your knowledge with our audience. Can can you share one thing that might be surprising that people wouldn't know about you? Something surprising people don't know about me. Well, um, I guess I, I did not start out trying to uh, trying to be the CEO of a company. I I was very I was very very happy being a uh, being a salesperson, and that was a great fit for me, and I really enjoyed it. and And I've kind of uh, I kind of stumbled into this role over time. Yeah. So, um, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that journey. And I and I know that you've had a successful career in selling B two B organizations like IBM, HP, and Google. What are the biggest mistakes that you would see either peers or colleagues within the organization or your competitors make in that B2B sales environment? Mistakes. So, I mean, the biggest mistake that you that, that uh, I think a salesperson makes in a, in a sales cycle is, is, uh, is assuming they understand the customer's business and then pushing their their product from the perspective of that assumed understanding. I, I think people, salespeople don't understand their customers' businesses deeply nearly enough and, and therefore they can't really, really connect with them and can't really connect their, their solution to their problem. And, uh, and, and that's, that's something I've seen over and over again throughout my career. So it's that notion of you know, they, they kind of know zero to 10. They understand the customer situation at a two. And so your stereotypical rep says, well, that's good enough for me. So now let me tell you why our thing is the best thing for you. But they just don't understand the client well enough. Right. Yeah, I, I think. And, and, and it's interesting. My the uh, the So I, I did this training program at IBM, like right out of business school. They 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 literally put me through like a year long sales training program. And it was, if the, the, the biggest takeaway from that is you should be listening more than you should be talking as a salesperson. And you should be really, you, you have to listen to understand their business, listen to understand their problems. We are IBM and we believe we can solve any technical problem that they have. So figure out what it really is on a deep level and then map our solutions to it. And a lot of times you're, you're, it's, it's, it's too deep for you to even understand. We need to pull on some experts from the organization somewhere else. So just come back to, you know, the appropriate people. 
that, uh, that in, within the organization and kind of explain to them what the pain points and what the problems are and why, why it's important for their business. And then we'll come up with a solution for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so, so glad that you mentioned that because in, in same side selling, one of the things we talk about is that effective sales is about finding the fit or the impact together between what the client's trying to accomplish or what they can't accomplish on their own and how you can help. And too many of these stereotypical old school style salespeople, it's like, you know, they, you know, it's, it's that old metaphor of they're a hammer in search of a nail. Right. And, 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 and it becomes so transparent where the client says, look, this person has no interest in generating results for my business. They're just trying to sell me whatever they have in their bag. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think as customers, we don't have a lot of patience for that. Yeah. And, and it's really industry dependent, I think. I mean, obviously, you know, just because, because of what I do, I talk to you know, sales teams all the time. And, and there are some that I think are more, you know, they really are selling hammers and there's just, this is the hammer and, and, uh, it does, this is what it does. It's pretty straightforward. And there's, these are the competitive hammers and here's why you should buy ours. But for a lot of stuff, especially on the technology side, you know, it really is more what you're saying. It's more about figuring out the fit, figuring out the problems, really understanding the customer and then mapping the the, the different aspects of your solution to to that problem so that it can be actually solved uh, in, a, in a customized fashion. Yeah, and, and what's your thought on this? I mean, one of the things that I see for a lot of organizations is they don't spend enough time identifying the right client where they can have the greatest impact up front. So they spend a lot of time chasing opportunities that will never turn into anything. How much of that played into your success? Because let's face it, you know, in, was it was in 2009, you were Google Enterprise's top sales executive. So you didn't do that accidentally. How much of that was figuring out where you should, where you should target your, your time and effort? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I think, uh, and, and this gets in, you know, gets into the whole account-based marketing trend that we're seeing. And I think it, it really is important to, to focus yourself on the right, the, the right type of customer who's the best fit for your product. Now, the strategy for being focused on that person is tricky when you're a small company, especially because you may not know. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say, oh, this person... It, it would be easy if you could say every large pharmaceutical company needs our product, and 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 that is the that it's really customized for pharmaceutical companies, and that is the group of people that we're going after because it's pretty easy to find out. Okay, here are the pharmaceutical companies, and here's the buyer at each one of these companies or the buyers. But a lot of times, when you have a broader solution, it, it's. Uh, it's not that simple, and 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 I think the best way in those cases is to ca- is actually counterintuitively to cast a wide net, but um, let let there be big holes in that net so the fish can 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 get out of it if they if they want to. But uh, but as you as you pull the net in, the ones that actually want to be in the net, maybe this is a strange strained uh, metaphor because no fish wants to be in it. No, no, man, keep <laughs> go, keep keep going with it. I'm loving it. Keep going. Keep going. All right. So I'm a fish. I'm in the net. I want to be in. All right. Good. You, keep going. You want to you? Yeah. Pretend <laughs> pretend you are a fish that, uh, that wants that, to be that, caught. That want to be in the net. Yeah. You want to be caught. You want to be you want to be sold in this case. So so I, I like you. You can. There are situations I believe that a company can be in where you really should be fishing with a spear. You should really be saying, "Okay, we're going after pharmaceutical companies that are mid-sized and, you know, 
uh, have this type of patent on their drugs. I don't know, but you, 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 you're, it, it really is tailored down and, you, and it's, it's the account-based marketing and you're focused on, these are our hundred customers the, that we want to go after. And each salesperson is going to chase 10 of them with, with very high levels of intensity. Um, the, the other thought is, well, I mean, we're kind of good for lots of, and this is the, the, the situation we find ourselves in. Um, we're, we're, we're useful for lots of companies and lots of industries, but maybe not Every pharmaceutical company is going to market, and not every mid-sized pharma, pharmaceutical company is going to market with field salespeople. That's who we sell to, but but they, some of them are, and so what we do instead, instead of saying, okay, hundred companies and these are perfect, go after them with all our might. Instead, I like to cast a wider net over, you know, say the whole pharmaceutical industry and do marketing activities into them, and but a net with big holes so that the fish can wiggle out of it if it wants to wiggle out early without me spending a lot of time or effort and then let the let the fish that are happy to be in the net stay in the net as I as I pull it in. Well, so let me let me um let me let me try and draw a parallel that our audience I believe will um will grasp when it comes to the large holes in the net. So when you're talking about the wide net, you're saying, look, it could be a lot of different businesses, it could be any pharmaceutical company over a certain size. And then my guess is those holes are more the conditions of, look, once you start reaching out to a business like that, for example, in your business um, for, for Badger Maps, let's face it, if they don't have a problem optimizing the routes for their field sales reps who are going and visiting clients on a regular basis, it's probably not as um, as good of a fit for you is if they have that. So just because they're a pharmaceutical company of a certain size or a manufacturer or a distributor doesn't necessarily mean that they have the problems that you're good at solving. But if you can define well enough, okay, within those industries, here are the problems we solve, then either someone says, yes, I'm experiencing that challenge, so I'd love to talk to you, or no, nah, it doesn't sound like us, in which case they swim out of the hole in the net. Yeah, and, and that was exactly my my – like when you asked about IB or Google and, and how I sold a lot of stuff, it was by casting that wide net. You know, at the, at the time I was, the, the things that I was selling are, were useful to lots of people, but they're not necessarily useful to everyone, right? Or it's not, it's not a priority for everyone, you know, it, it, but, it, but it would be a priority for certain people. So I had a pretty big territory and I, I almost did the opposite of account-based marketing where I wasn't saying, okay, I've, I'm allowed to sell into, you know, these thousand companies that, that kind of fit this, you know, these are my name. I had like a thousand named accounts at the time. And instead of just picking the industries that I thought were, would be really good or the exact size and just really being intense about certain ones and having really an account-based marketing focused, I would just reach out to reach out and email all of them and have the inside salespeople, you know, go after all of them, but in a gentle way, basically, and try to, try to find the soft spots. And then once I found a place that, that, that did seem like it would be a good fit for what I was for what I was selling at the time. Then I would then I would you know go go after them intensely. But it was it sure. was more of a I I feel like you don't want to drag a fish in the boat you know if, if it's the wrong you don't you don't we don't want to struggle dragging the wrong type of fish in the boat that you can't eat anyway because you know but you can you a lot of salespeople spend all day going after and really really trying to sell someone who's you know it's just not going to be a fit and you could you can. You can put a ton of effort into it, or you could you could spend that effort going to try try to find people that are a better fit. Yeah, and and I wonder how much of your time, how conscious were you of look? These are the conditions that are present for someone who's a good opportunity for us, 
And these are the conditions of the people who are not a good fit and aren't going to turn into anything. Were you conscious when you were in that role of kind of what you, what attributes you were looking for? Yeah. Yeah. There, there were like, I mean, there were, so in that, in that particular role, there were four or five things that made someone a really good fit for, for what we were doing. Uh, we, we were selling. So the, the primary thing that year that I was working on was, uh, was Gmail products. So like Google apps and basically trying to, trying to get someone to swap out their current email system with Gmail. Um, this is 2009, right? This is almost 10 sure. years ago. So the, the, uh, who is the best target for that at the time? I mean, Gmail is a pretty new product. It was, pr- it was relatively immature, um, if someone had a new version of Microsoft Exchange, that was going to be a tough sell, right? They've already bought it. It works. It's you know, it's it's the it's the leader in the industry. It has eighty percent market share, ninety percent market share. That's going to be a tougher sale. But if someone has uh, you know an, an older system like Groupwise or uh, Lotus, I'm thinking that time that time frame. If you walked into a Notes Domino shop that was trying to decide, well, should we upgrade the latest version of Notes and Domino? Should we go to Microsoft or should we go with um, with with Gmail? All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you're telling them, look, you don't have to maintain a server, you don't have to do anything. We take care of everything. Magic happens. Um, that's that's a great discussion. That's exactly it, and they were receptive to that to that messaging. Whereas someone who already was on the a modern version of, of Microsoft was like, ah, this isn't we're we're not really experiencing pain here. Even if they saw the vision of why this was kind of where the puck was headed, it it was hard to make it tops on their list. And that's that's a key thing, right? Like, you, even if something's a great fit for someone, if it's not one of their major strategic initiatives, you're pushing a rope uphill. You know, like it's hard. One of our main goals as a salesperson, I believe, is finding someone who, yes, this would be a good idea for, but there's a second condition. They don't have anything else on their plate that is that is way more important. And because, you know, they're only, a company's only going to get to so many initiatives in a, in a given period of time, right? So if, if you're talking to someone and, and you, you can tell they're a good fit and they would benefit, but they're just like, yeah, but we got to do, this is not what we're worried about right now. We got to do this and we got to do that and we got to do this and we got to do that. Then, then it's, you, you don't want to, you can't oversell too early on that because, you know, eventually you'll probably get them, but it's probably going to be next year or the year after that, right. once they've gotten their higher, higher end priorities, uh, you know, kind of finished. It's, it's exactly, there's a, there's a concept that, that we write about that I teach um, called issue impact and importance. A lot of my audience is probably smiling and nodding their head right now. And the idea behind it is that the issue is kind of the superficial thing that people say, well, you know, yeah, we're looking to replace our email system. Okay, great. That's the superficial issue. Then impact is, well, what happens if you don't solve it? What happens if six months go by and you still haven't switched out from group-wise? Then what happens? And they got to mm-hmm. convince you that it's worth solving. And then Im- importance is, well, compared to the other things on your plate, how important is this? And mm-hmm. very few people get to that importance question. And when they do, all of a sudden they get great transparency about what's real and what isn't. Because the client says, you know what? It's probably like number 10 on my list. Right. I hate to break and the news to you. Not people, aren't, people aren't spending money on number 10, but they'll spend it on number one or two. Right. That's exactly it. And you got to figure out where you where you are 
And if you're if you're low on the list, then just keep the relationship going and wait for them to get through number number one or two. And and uh, and and a great salesperson can can really show the urgency and show the fear of missing out and show the show why actually you know it's they can challenge that your number that your number ten on the list and they can kind of convince the person, hey, actually. This is this is actually a number a number two issue, and you're going to get to number two, and that and that's that's a harder thing to do because now you're competing with a whole bunch of things. You you often think your competitor is the the similar company that makes a similar product to you, but like I could be trying to sell field sales software software to help the the sales team do better in the field, but my actual competitor is swapping out the email system because that it's it's you're going to do. They only have time to do one thing or another. So my my, my competitor actually might be uh, some email provider, where because that's that's the thing that they're thinking about doing, and it's not. And, and they they already kind of agree. Yeah, no, I'd like to do yours. And if I was to do this, I would would have picked you. But you know, we're we're for the next six months, we're dealing with this thing over here. Yeah, the single, single greatest opponent for um for most salespeople they don't even realize is status quo. If someone's saying, well, yeah, what is what is keep what we had before. Even if it's you know group wise in a period where you knew in the next eighteen months it was going to die on the vine, right? Yeah, you know what? We'll just push it off and we'll just kick it, down, kick the can down the road a little bit, and that's mm-hmm. what happened. So one of the things that that I want you to touch on is as someone who achieved amazing success at Google and at other companies selling B two B, what are the what are the piece of advice you would have for somebody and look, here are the things that you can do to be the top producer in your organization. I guess the first thing is to truly know your customer, truly know your product, truly know the pain that your product solves and, and, uh, why your customer doesn't want to miss out on, on having your product. So kind of just have a, have that, Every aspect of that story down pat, and and you'd be surprised how many how many salespeople don't really understand the problem that problems that their customer face, or or understand, you know the every detail of their of their product. You know they they, they don't or, or don't understand you know one of those pieces. They they and uh, couldn't explain what. What is what is the risk to your organization of not doing this in, in the you know in the next four months? Because you know what do you what what are you looking at missing out on here? What do you what do you you know what 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 are your compa- are your competitors going to do this and you're going to be at a disadvantage in, in 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 six months if you haven't taken care of this now? Like being able to tell every piece of that story, I think uh, is crucial. Let, let me let me ask you this: mm-hmm. if you if you're an individual and you're thinking, man, I only have so many hours in a day and I can either take the time to truly know my customer, I can really understand the pain that it solves, why they might need it, or the the details of my product. Is there one of those that you say, look, they're all really important, but if you got to give up one, the one that you, the one that you're you can get by having slightly less knowledge in would be which one? Hmm. And obviously you want them all, but if yeah. it was, if it was, you know, knowing the customer, the pain that it solves, why they might need it or the product details, which one could you actually still succeed if you weren't on the top of your game in one of those? Probably depends on the industry. I mean, in, in like in software, which is my industry, I'd say the thing that I've seen reps be successful despite having a weakness, it's on their product. 
Um, just because a lot of times if you're selling a very technical product to a very technical person, often they understand it better anyway. Yeah. And their questions aren't necessarily technical in nature. And if there are deep technical questions, there's there's a resource for you to go get the sure. answer. And and there's there's a crutch with that one. And and by and by the and by the way, the the reason why I asked it and I apologize for putting you on the spot is that in the research I've done, I've done research with over ten thousand CEOs and executives and how they make and improve decisions. And the what the questions they ask when they're approving a purchase that someone else in their organization wants to make is, well, what problems does this solve? Why do we need it? And what's the likely outcome or result? So those are the big questions that they ask. And in a lot of organizations, what I see is they invest a ton of time in product knowledge, but they don't necessarily develop their teams so that they understand the right questions and process so they can fully understand the customer to uncover the pain that it solves and have those discussions. And they don't really have an understanding enough about why their customer must need it to see if those conditions exist. So they walk in and they've got amazing product knowledge, but they miss the other stuff. And then you get somebody who zero to 10 understands their product at a four, but masters the other stuff. And they're like the top performer. Everyone's like, wait a minute, they don't even understand the product. And then that rep smiling like, yeah, because I don't have to. Because if I understand the customer well enough, they'll give me a pass on some of the product stuff that I have to get back to them on. But if I understand the product cold and I don't understand them, they show me the door. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that that you've hit it right on the head there. I mean, and that certainly was the case case for me. I mean, you know, I, I don't have a technical background, um, even though I'm you know I'm, I'm in technology and um, I, I, I my back my undergrad was not in technology. I don't know how to code, um, and and so my there's always going to be a limitation. Uh, throughout my sales career to how deep I could go on the product. But no one's ever offended if, 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 if there's an out there's, well, you know, I, you know, I don't know exactly how that works. Uh, but I, I, uh, let me, let me uh, talk to one of the engineers who obviously would know, and I'll get back to you with an answer on that. As long as you get back to them on the, with an answer, they're not offended that, that, that you don't know. I mean, people, People are fine if their sales guy's stupid. Like they're, yeah. <laughs> no, no one's ever been like, Steve, you're too stupid to sell to sell something. But they're like, oh well, <laughs> you might be stupid, but you know. <laughs> but he understands the process and how customers buy, so we're okay with it. Which, by the way, I got a strange feeling. There's no one saying, well, Steve's kind of stupid. Um, just from talking to you, I'm pretty sure that's not the case. But but still, I think that too often organizations overvalue product knowledge. And underemphasize understanding the buyer mindset and the buyer process and how the customer makes decisions. And you get the person who's the great subject matter expert but doesn't understand the right questions and what motivates the client. And everyone thinks, well, this guy, wow, they're like a guru in the space. How are they not selling it? It's like because – they're looking at everything from their perspective, not the customers. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, you know, I, I felt badly just for a split second putting it on the spot like that. But, uh, you know, I, I purposely wanted you to think through it. And, you know, if you had to pick one of those, by the way, it would have been kind of awkward for me if you had said, oh, yeah, you got another product cold, then I would have had nowhere to go. But so it worked out okay. It was a high-risk move. And if it hadn't yeah. worked out, we would have edited it out of the interview. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, oh, I, didn't, I didn't realize I get to edit. This is fantastic. Well, now I can really go off script. No, uh, well, and, and you know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, pe- people – 
I think you've made a really important point here, and, I, and I've never really thought of it like this. But people have often asked, "Well, why? Why? What was it about you that that made you, you know, good at this in, in all these different places? And like, why? Why have you always been able to sell?" And and it's you know, so I had a business background. I you know, I went to I went to business school, and I, I had done a bunch of stuff in business that that w- wasn't technology sales, right? But um, because of that business background, uh, I think I always had a better understanding of my customers and prospective customers, businesses, their pain, and how, how to help them evaluate what it what what this change that I was proposing would mean for their business. And so it, it was, I actually jumped around on products a lot. Like when I was at Google, I sold like, you know, seven different products and IBM. I mean, they, they literally sell everything. And my job was to sit in between IBM and a big insurance company selling everything IBM does, which sure. is like in it's it's incalculable how many things they can do. Anything in technology, basically. Right? So, Believe me, I, we were an IBM partner and worked a lot with the insurance and the insurance side in that sector. And I remember on many occasions, IBM would bring us in as their partner, and the and the one you know one of the reps would be talking about, oh, we have this product and that product, and I'd say, well, before we dive into that, let's just have a discussion. Ask the client. So, what is it that you're not able to accomplish today? And why is that important? And it, it, within a half hour, they're basically their wallets open. Like, okay, well, how much can we pay you to solve all this? And the the you know, oftentimes, you know, an IBM rep, but look at me, like, how did you uncover that? It's like because you were trying to sell technology, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to solve a business problem. So if we can talk about the business problem, the technology becomes incidental. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that's that a lot of people overlook is, for example, where for for you guys on the on the Badger Map side, and and by the way, people will will have BadgerMapping.com in the show notes so people can check it out. And I appreciate that you know we're talking about stuff that can help people, but anybody that's got a field sales team should check out what you guys are doing because it basically improves the efficiency of reps out in the field, making sure they're not wasting time on the wrong routing and, and overlooking a client that might be two blocks away that they just forgot about. So you give that great roadmap to it. I, I think the key though, is that there's a subset of the market that you can serve amazingly well, which is probably what's made the app number one, the number one sales app in the Apple app store. But you also recognize that it's not the right app for the free world. And not everybody needs it as much as you'd right. like them to all need it. Right. Absolutely, it's it's people that have field sales teams, and and who, those field sales teams have a meaningful number of meetings a day. If you have, if you meet with two customers a week, you don't have a routing and scheduling problem. You meet with twenty, you for sure do. Sure. <laughs> so it's a special type of you know you, guys that sell airplane engines. They don't have twenty meetings a week. Guys, guys that sell wine to restaurants, they do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, so how how do you see sales evolving over the next decade? That's an interesting question. So next decade, you, you know, actually, th- th- this is interesting because I, I think a lot of people have this wrong. A lot of people who are experts in sales, if you ask them what what is the world, what what's going to change in sales in the next 10 years, they would predict the the fall, a lot of the fall of the sales rep, the fall of certainly the field sales rep to, um, and pro- but probably also the, the inside sales rep to a, a large degree to automation and to, um, 
to uh, just being able to outsource it and do it from do it faster over the phone and people need to evaluate less and have less sales questions in general so you can just shrink the size of the team and I really disagree with that I, th- I think I've heard people say that and I'm like no no way that's the that is the that's the hardest thing to automate sales and sales processes. It's buying something is a very human process and, 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 and you want a guide and you want someone who you can trust, who's an information source and who understands you and your customer, your, your business and your, and your pain points and, and understands the product that they're talking about to, to solve those things. You, I think that human relationship and that human interaction is something that doesn't go away, and so I, you know, if if, if someone asked, me, if if a twenty two year old coming out of college asked me, you, you know, what a great career path would be, you know, say, let, let, I hate to pick on lawyers, but being a lawyer or being a salesperson, I would say be a salesperson because being a lawyer, there's a lot of aspects of that job that we're going to be that that the world is automating, that the world is outsourcing to other places, that you know is just you're able to do it with software. There's just there's a lot of things about being a lawyer that are are going to be compressed over the next 20 years, but sales, on the other hand, I don't see that nearly as compressible, just because it's so much more of a of a of a human process that you need you need that that warm touch. Yeah, in fact, I would I would amend that only to say that the future of the order taker is um, maybe precarious, but the sales mm. professional who is figuring out how they how what they offer might apply to a given customer situation the need for that I don't believe will ever go away. Yeah. So Steve what's 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 the best way for people to learn more about you what you're doing at Badger Maps and to uh to tap into your wisdom. The best place to learn about about the company and 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 us and kind of what I'm saying is to go to our website, uh, badgermapping.com. That, you know, kind of gives an overview of of how we help field sales teams, and and uh, you know, our blog is obviously a great resource. Um, in in fact, uh, if, if any of your listeners uh, do check out Badger, just name drop Ian here and uh, the, and the show, and and I'll 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 have prepped my reps to uh, to give anyone uh, two months free with with Badger if they just drop the name of the show here. So awesome. Um, as a little uh, little sweetener to check us out if there's any field sales teams out there. <laughs> That's great. All right. And um, I know on Twitter, they can find you at Badger Maps. So mm-hmm. we'll have all that in the show notes. But Steve, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and insight. And I'm sure people can put all this stuff to use. And I'll give everyone a recap, as we always do. So thanks for joining me. Thanks, Lottie. And it's been really cool to be here. It's a great conversation. Thanks again for taking the time to subscribe and share the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with your friends and colleagues. I I love seeing the comments and reviews on iTunes. It really makes a big difference. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can take away and use right away from my discussion with Steve. So first, let's just focus on real simply, make sure that you truly know the customer. Make sure that you understand the pain that your solution solves why they might need it, and then recognize that product knowledge is secondary. And if you do that well, everything else will come into play. So don't think beyond that. Just address those issues, and you'll be tremendously successful. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you want me to cover, if there's a guest you think I should have on the show, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. 
have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. <laughs>